Everybody dies, don't they? Everybody come back, don't they? Isn't that so? You tried to get into the locked room today, didn't you? You tried. How do the dead come back, Mother? What's the secret? Christmas meeting by Rosemary Timperley. I have never spent Christmas alone before. It gives me an uncanny feeling sitting alone in my furnished room, with my head full of ghosts, and the room full of voices of the past. It's a drowning feeling. All the Christmases of the past coming back in a mud jumble, the childish Christmas with a house full of relations, a tree in the window, sixpences in the pudding, and the delicious crinkly stocking in the dark morning, the adolescent Christmas with mother and father. The war and the bitter cold, and the letters from abroad, the first really grown-up Christmas with a lover, the snow and the enchantment, red wine and kisses, and the walk in the dark before midnight, with the ground so white and the stars diamond bright in the black sky, so many Christmases through the year, and now, the first Christmas alone, but not quite loneliness. A feeling of companionship with all the other people who are spending Christmas alone, millions of them, past and present. A feeling that if I close my eyes, there will be no past or future, only an endless present which is time, because it is all we ever have. Yes, however cynical you are, however irreligious, it makes you feel queer to be alone at Christmas time. So I am absurdly relieved when the young man walks in. There's nothing romantic about it. I'm a woman of nearly fifty, a spinster schoolmarm with grim, dark hair and myopic eyes that once were beautiful, and he's a kid of twenty, rather unconventionally dressed, with a flowing wine-coloured tie, and a black velvet jacket, and brown curls which could do with the taste of the barber's scissors. The effeminacy of his dress is belied by his features: narrow, piercing blue eyes, an arrogant, jutting nose and chin. Not that he looks strong. The skin is fine, drawn over the prominent features, and he is very white. He bursts in without knocking, then pauses, says, "I'm so sorry. I thought this was my room." He begins to go out, then hesitates and says, "Are you alone?" "Yes." "It's queer being alone at Christmas, isn't it?" "May I stay and talk?" "I'd be glad if you would." He comes right in and sits down by the fire. I hope you don't think I came here on purpose. I, I really did think it was my room. He explains, "I'm glad you made the mistake, but you're a very young person to be alone at Christmas time. I wouldn't go back to the country to my family. It would hold up my work. I'm a writer. I see. I can't help smiling a little. That explains his rather unusual dress, and he takes himself so seriously. This young man. Of course, you mustn't waste a precious moment of writing. I say with a twinkle. No, not a moment. That's what my family won't see. They don't appreciate urgency. Families are never appreciative of the artistic nature. No, they aren't. He agrees seriously. What are you writing? Poetry and a diary combined. It's called My Poems and I by Francis Randall. That's my name. My family say there's no point in my writing. That I'm too young. But I don't feel young. Sometimes I feel like an old man with too much to do before he dies. Revolving faster and faster on the wheel of creativeness. Yes, yes, exactly. You understand. You must read my work sometime. Please read my work. Read my work. A note of desperation in his voice, a look of fear in his eyes, makes me say, "We're both getting much too solemn for Christmas Day. I'm going to make you some coffee. 
and I have a plum cake. I move about clattering cups, spooning coffee into my percolator, but I must have offended him, for when I look around, I find he has left me. I am absurdly disappointed. I finish making coffee, however, then turn to the bookshelf in my room. It's piled high with volumes, for which the landlady has apologised profusely. Hope you don't mind the books, miss, but my husband won't part with them, and there's nowhere else to put them. We charge a bit less for the room for that reason. I don't mind, I said. Books are good friends. But these aren't very friendly-looking books. I take one at random, or does some strange fate guide my hand? Sipping my coffee, inhaling my cigarette smoke, I begin to read the battered little book, published, I see, in spring, 1852. It's mainly poetry, immature stuff, but vivid. Then there's a kind of diary, more realistic, less affected. Out of curiosity, if there are any amusing comparisons, I turn to the entry for Christmas Day, 1851. I read, My first Christmas Day alone. I had rather an odd experience. When I went back to my lodgings after a walk, there was a middle-aged woman in my room. I thought at first I'd walked into the wrong room, but this was not so. And later, after a pleasant talk, she disappeared. I suppose she was a ghost, but I wasn't frightened. I liked her. But I don't feel well tonight, not at all well. I have never felt ill at Christmas before. A publisher's note followed the last entry. Francis Randall died from a sudden heart attack on the night of Christmas Day, 1851. The woman mentioned in this final entry in his diary was the last person to see him alive. In spite of a request for her, in spite of a request for her to come forward, she never did. Her identity remains a mystery. Everybody dies, don't they? Everybody so come back, don't they? Isn't that Everybody so? Back, you tried to get into the locked drawer so? today, didn't you? you tried How to do the dead come back, Mother? What's the secret? Rosemary Timperley was an English author, born in 1920, and died at the age of 68 in London. Uh, she was a prolific writer and had a living, earned her living as a writer throughout her life. She sold her first short story when she was in 1946, when she was aged 26, and worked also as a school teacher and a journalist. So we can see that in this story, she describes herself as a severe-looking school mom, and obviously she's saying that a little tongue-in-cheek. I think it's quite poignant that she talks about her eyes, which at the age of 50 are no longer beautiful, but once were. Um, Many of her stories have been included in ghost story anthologies, and this one is a very famous a story um, published in 1952 when she was 32, so she was actually younger than the 50-year-old school mom she was writing about. Um, she wrote some other classic ghost stories, but this one's very nice. It's just very simple, very sweet. Um, we've read enough. We've heard enough ghost stories and read enough ghost stories to guess what's coming, but it's still a very nice. Sentiment, and I like some of the things she says about, and some of the memories she has about previous Christmases. Uh, again, very lovely, and uh, I enjoyed reading them. So I just wanted to do this short piece for you for Boxing Day, so that you had something to listen to, even if it is very short. Okay, take care. Still looking for that New Year story. 
I hope you had a lovely Christmas. Boxing Day, of course, is what we call in Great Britain. Is what we Well, in fact, yeah, in Great Britain, I think, because in Ireland they call it St. Stephen's Day, uh, which, of course, is its technical title. And in Welsh, of course, it's Gwyla San Stefan, St. Stephen's Day. So there you go. Um, but Boxing Day, due to the Victorian practice in Victorian Britain of giving presents in boxes the day after Christmas Day. There you go. Toodle pip. Or as they say in Wales, as I'm in a Welsh theme, ta ta tan tok. Well, they say it sometimes like that. <laughs> 